2: the Vox Media
0: Podcast Network.
2: Alright everybody, it is Thursday, September 15th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA fighting Twitter spaces you'll be able to hear the show shortly thereafter on the MMA fighting podcasting network hello I am Mike Heck thank you for joining us we are still dealing with some of the hangover effects if you will from UFC 279 we have UFC Vegas 60 coming up on Saturday fun main event at 135 pounds between Corey Sanhagen and the surging Song Yadong. We got Chidi and Jaguani versus Gregory Rodriguez in the co main event. Andre Feely versus Bill Algio, the featured bout. We get to see Joe Pfeiffer make his UFC debut. Tanner Bozer is back for the first time in over a year. Damon Jackson, Pat Sabatini should be fun. I mean, this is not, let's be honest, this is not the greatest card of all time, but. It's not bad. We have definitely seen worse fight night cards in 2022. So it should be fun. And it's at a very doable, very normal, which should be the norm, sort of start time. 4 p.m. Eastern for the prelims, 7 p.m. Eastern for the main card. We will be wrapped and packed by like 10 p.m. Eastern. It's exactly what you want to see for a fight night card. And then guess what? We get a a little breather from the UFC. We get a week off. Of course, Bellator will be back with a card in Dublin. Benson Henderson versus Peter Queeley. Yoel Romero versus Melvin Manhoof on that card. But the UFC schedule is going to kind of lighten up slightly for a little bit. Because we got a week off next week from the UFC. And then... We have the card headlined by, excuse me, Mackenzie Dern and Jan Nan. Then another week off. And then the card headlined by Viviani Araujo and Alexa Grasso. And then it's on to UFC 280 between Charles Oliveira, Islam Makachev for the vacant lightweight title in the main event. And we just found out yesterday that October 29th, that fight night card, which will likely be at the Apex, will be headlined by a big one at 145 pounds between Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen. And I have been quite privy to this matchup. I'd be happy to talk about how this all went down and played out throughout the week. And if we're being honest, the story of that fight, that the story of that fight goes back a lot further than just this week. This is a fight that the UFC has been trying to put together for, A long time, probably since the end of last summer, this was something that the UFC was hoping to try to put together. And finally, as of right now, we're going to get it on October 29th for five rounds. So let's go to you guys. We're going to go for a little under an hour. I got some things I gets to do from a parental side. So let's get into this, and we'll kick things off with Tristan Gordette, who is first in line. Tristan, hello. Hey, Mike. Can you hear me? What's up, buddy? Yep, I got you. All right.
3: um, So let me ask you a question before. I got a couple of things. Um, My first question would be for Calvin Cater. So if the fight was announced, what was it, yesterday? So, like, that's what? Uh, that's pretty much a uh, full training camp for him, I would think for Cater, right? I would think because um, that's not until the twenty ninth. So usually, because usually, what a, a full training camp is what two months, usually eight weeks. So, I I mean, did did Cato know like Cater, did Cater know like it was in the works? Not to say he was done. So obviously, if he knew it was in the works, he probably started training right away. To get ready for this fight, to have a full training camp, I'm, I I would think, in my my estimation, if I'm looking at the weeks, since it's uh, going to be October 29th, um, so yeah, just want that that your thoughts on that. The second thing is, really want to talk about this past Tuesday, we saw the Contender series, um, we saw with um Ipram Aleskarov um, I saw you tweeted right away. This guy's going to make waves in the middleweight division. I feel the same way. So now you have Ikram Laskarov, you have Abbas Makhomedov, and then you have Bo Nikko. Now I'm thinking those two, Ikram Laskarov and Bo Nikko, are probably already are going to have fights, hopefully, start to be set up and materialized before the year's ended, especially the fact that Ikram didn't take any damage, was able to get his opponent. With uh Kimura, which was, which was unbelievable, that man is going to be a problem, and people need to know about that. This guy has already fought it, um, he's already fought Shemaev now. Shemayev could not take that man down, but he just couldn't take him down. That's how good his takedown defense is and his uh grappling is. Now, he did get knocked out with an uppercut that you know that was really bad, but then a- afterwards, he's won four straight. That man's going to make waves in that in that middleweight division. And then you have, obviously, Bo Nicol. So I'm expecting those two are in the works to possibly, and this is speculation, this is not, I want to make sure this is not reported. This is not reported. I'm just getting the feeling that even though Bo Nicol is probably, you know, he's got his fight, which will be the last uh, card for the Dana White contenders series, that the, they have probably fights, probably trying to get fights in the works in the works before the year's end because there still needs to be, there still need to be cards to be filled up. So I'm expecting Ikram and I'm expecting Bowenick to get fights before the year's end. So, because, and, you know, I want you to your, your take of how this middleweight, pro, the middleweight prospect is coming up, how that's formulating um, from what it is right now. Because, I mean, listen, middleweight division does need a little bit of help. So those three guys have to be guys, prospects, that got to be that people need to keep their eye on. So I just want your feelings on that of how that the middleweight prospects is going to affect the whole middleweight division and just pump some new blood, especially getting into the top fifteen. So just your whole thought about that, your your thought about it, prom, and what he's done. Uh, I mean, your impressions of what he did on Tuesday, and um, you know, also I also you know. We saw with a bus, and then obviously Bo Nico How you think they're going to affect the middleweight division moving forward, as far as young prospects is concerned? And then also, um, just your thoughts for Saturday, for the two fights to, to uh, the main event and co-main event: Corey Sankangan versus Sang Dong and then uh, Chidi versus uh, Robocop. Just your your thoughts on the, the main and co-main event uh, for Saturday's card? Thanks, Mike, and have a heck of a morning.
2: Thanks, man. Uh, a lot to unpack there. I mean, I favor Corey Sanhagen to beat Sung Yudong, and I feel like the more of the pressure is on Corey Sanhagen. This is, I mean, listen, every fight's a must win, and I know it's kind of cliche to talk about a fight being a must win or not. They're all must wins, but I feel like Sanhagen needs this a lot more. He's on the two fight losing streak, he's already I mean, it was for an interim title. He stepped in short notice, but I mean, this is a guy who a year and a half, two years ago, we're saying this guy's definitely going to be a champion and he's had a couple of setbacks. He definitely needs to win this fight. Song Yidong loses. It stings kind of halts his momentum a little bit, but Song is still super young. And I mean, he's got a ton of fight experience, but he's 24. He's about to be 25. So a loss stinks, but it doesn't It doesn't really – it doesn't hurt him. It certainly doesn't hurt him as much as it will hurt Corey Sanhagen if he loses. So uh, I lean Sanhagen to win. I just think he's got more uh, – Yodong has more fights, but Sanhagen has more big fight experience. He's got more five-round experience. So I expect him to win a competitive decision. It's hard to pick the co event because these two guys are just – absolute animals and they both have big power both can change the course of a fight with one shot the fight's just going to be awesome to watch so i have to look into it a little bit more i'll probably watch a little tape on both these guys tonight before the preview show uh obviously i'm familiar with both of them but kind of a look at tendencies and different things um, so i mean that fight's just going to be great the top three fights are, are pretty solid on this card i would have to say Middleweight, it's kind of, I mean, you could even throw Joe Piper in that mix. If Joe goes out there and just <clears throat> blows the doors off Alan Amadovsky, there's another guy. I mean, the the most potent quote from the contender series this year is be Joe Pfeiffer. After that first week when it seems like the show is off to a horrendous start, Dana White said, be Joe Piper. come on to the show on Tuesday and be Joe Piper." And they're putting him on a main card. They're giving him the opportunity to be under the spotlight. So you can add him to that list too. And Aliskarov is good, man. He's real good. And he was real good heading into the Shemaya fight. But he fought freaking Hamzat Shemaya. And the fight only last didn't even last a half a round. But he took a lot away from that one. He's He's fought some good dudes. Some guys with UFC experience. Some guys who are in the UFC currently. He's solid. I'm not going to... I'm not going to, I'm going to slow my roll a little bit. I think he's going to be real good. I just, I, hopefully they just, they just treat him accordingly. They don't just throw him into a big fight right away. But my biggest takeaway from that whole thing was poor Mario Souza. Good Lord. Third appearance on the contender series. Got a win on his first one. Didn't get a contract. Loses a second fight. And then they're like, hey. Mario, we're going to give you a third chance. We're going to put you against a guy you have very little chance of beating. And that's what happened. And it looked like his shoulder was ripped out of his socket. So pretty rough stretch for Mario Souza. Got a feel for the guy. But Aliskarov did the damn thing and and got it done. Now, with the Cater-Arnold Allen fight. So I'll, I'll dive into this a little bit. I heard on Saturday, before UFC 279 started, I heard rumblings that this fight was being discussed. Multiple sources. We were far away from the finish line. But this was the fight the UFC wanted on this card. Apparently, so this is all being in the works. I'm told that it's being discussed. It was formally offered to both sides. But with everything going on with 279 and all the craziness, there is no way to really get any closer with it because they're getting ready for a fight card. The whole thing got shuffled up. It's not like they could just call the matchmakers and be like, yeah, let's do it because there's a million other things going on. So Saturday rolls around, Sunday rolls around, Monday rolls around. And then Tuesday things start to get a little little more real when it comes to the whole situation. Uh, I had heard that we were getting closer, that the UFC had contacted both sides again about possibly doing it. And the one thing that was sort of a holdup was the date. The date was one of the things that was sort of being finagled around because it seemed like it was a little too soon for both guys. Looked like they wanted to maybe push it out a little bit maybe do it in December or November. But at that point, all these cards are filling up. All of these main event slots are filling up. And then we found out that we found out officially on Tuesday that the only real other open card that we didn't know about a main event or anything like that was the one after the last pay-per-view, which is now going to be headlined by Sean Strickland versus Jared Cannonier. They rebooked that that's going to headline that card. So, Pretty much, it came down to two things. Either figure out a way to squeeze this in on a pay-per-view somewhere. Or if you want to be the main event, this is the date. You got to do it here. There's no other way to do it. So Tuesday, talks are going on. I heard that it's offered. I was told, quote-unquote, we're close. There were no formal agreements yet. Yesterday... Things got a little more real. It went from it's in the works, it's being offered, we're close to saying yes, to one side definitely saying yes. And then the other side, like literally when when Brad Okamoto reported per Dana White, I found out literally one minute before that that it was a go, it was verbally agreed upon, no contract. So and of course I was I went from the gym to softball practice. We were just smashing balls over the fence and I go and pick up my phone and I see the text that it's done. And I'm like, all right. And I see Brad had already tweeted out from Dana, but I mean, I don't really care about that stuff, but this fights, this is not something that's been in the works for weeks. This has been something that's been in the works for less than a week. Started on Saturday. It was a slow roll. It was a little tiny snowball Tuesday, Tuesday, the snowball started to roll down a tiny hill and it got a little bit bigger. And then yesterday it became a full-blown snowball rolling down the hill. And now we have it. So both sides are in. Contracts are not signed. This is it. So not ideal. Not ideal time frame wise. But at the same token, like I said, after Cater had that bad loss to Holloway, this was the fight the UFC wanted. After Arnold beat Sodi Kusev. This was the one. They wanted to do a main event September, October, November, December of 2021. They just couldn't get it done. Allen's hand was a problem. He was trying to get cleared in order to make it happen. It didn't. That's why we ended up getting Calvin Cater versus Giga Chikadze in January. And then Arnold had his fight in London. Cater fought again against Josh Emmett. Round and round we go, but here we are. So there we go. So that's the story on that. And listen, Caters K- K- a guy who trains every day. He trains hard every day. Just look at his Instagram. Look at his manager's Instagram and manager slash coach's Instagram. Caters in the gym every day. Allen's in the gym every day. So it's a month and a half, six weeks. These guys have probably been somewhat preparing for each other for a while now. It's fine. If, if I think if both sides had their druthers, they would push this thing back a little bit, but. Here we are, October 29th, it's going down. It's a great fight, it's the fight that should be made, and I'm in, I'm all in on it. This is a tremendous matchup. Uh, big one for Aaron for Lowne, big one for Calvin Cater. So, good fight, I love it.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ, Patchy Mix, defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov, and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
2: Viking, hello. What's up, man? Brother. I'm good. What's going on?
4: Everything is fine. Let me just get on the point. I just want to ask about the pressure situation on the fighter for the upcoming fight against Charles and Makachev. I mean, Khabib is talking trash about Charles, but for the fact, he has never fought any high-level grappler or wrestler in his entire UFC run. Don't tell me I.D.A. he fought I.D.A., but just leave that fact aside. Again, Ali and Khabib Makachev are sharing their opinions about the fight and basically it's trash talk part of the game, no big deal. But how it affects Charles Oliveira if he takes that talk seriously, I mean, the other people are saying, saying the same uh, same thing for Makachev. And if Charles submits Makachev, because there is no way he's going to engage with Charles on standing, because, look, everybody is talking about what um, the new Dagestani guy, um, Ikram, but in the past, he has fought against Hamzat, and Hamzat could not take him down. That's the good part of him, defending the takedowns. But you can't win a fight by defending takedowns, especially against guys like Hamzat or Makachev or Habib. Come on. Yes, he defended the takedowns. But what? He got knocked out unconscious. He was on the floor for more than five more than five minutes, surrounded by doctors and other officials. They don't have fucking—they don't have—I'm sorry about the language. They don't—they don't have a chin. I'm telling you that. So just tell me how it's going to affect Islam if he loses to Charles. Because if he wins, then he just beat another guy who, who is a Brazilian and has got hyped before the fight. And how the pressure game is going to matter for the both fighters, Islam and Charles— in the fight. Thank you, Mike.
2: Thank you, buddy. Uh, I I mean, listen, I've talked about this for a while now. This is by far the most anticipated fight of 2022 for me. There's so many questions about both guys and I like like the question about pressure because normally pressure weighs on one fighter more than the other on this big fight, but I actually think the pressure is pretty even here. Oliveira coming off the weight miss, coming off the win. He's not officially the champion right now. A lot at stake here for him. He's got some good favor to kind of earn back in a lot of ways. He's going essentially on the road here to fight Islam Makachev in a place that he certainly doesn't want this fight because let's be honest, you could put this fight anywhere in the world and it's going to sell out in arena and it's going to do really well on pay-per-view. But we're basically going... Obviously it's not like Islam Makachev's like hometown or anything like that. But still, this is a favorable Makachev type of scenario. And that's fine. And Oliveira should be should be very happy just to even be in this opportunity. And no matter where it is, he's gonna do it. And this is the fight that a lot of people wanted. And we're gonna get some we're gonna get some questions answered here. We are gonna get some questions answered here because During the build to all this, like, who is Charles going to fight? Who is Charles going to fight? Islam was one that a lot of people wanted. But still, when you look at Islam's resume, just doesn't have that notable marquee win that you would want to see before going into a title fight. But that's obviously not his fault either because he's been put in these matchups. And for one reason or another, opponent falls out. You fight whoever's put in front of you, and you and he's treated all those guys accordingly for the most part. So it's a really interesting fight. Islam can strike too, by the way. Go watch tape on both those guys. Islam can crack a little bit too. He's a very good counter-striker. His left hand is really good. And Oliveira leaves himself open to some of those counters. And it's it's it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if Islam had some success in the feed. A lot of people feel like oh, if this stays standing, Charles is going to run him over. I don't know if I necessarily buy into that. I think as the fight progresses and Islam kind of gets his chin tested, the longer it goes, obviously Olivera is going to thrive a little bit more. He thrives in the chaos. But to say that Islam is just going to get run over on the feet, I don't really buy into that theory 100%. I think Olivera is obviously the better striker. He's the more... Resumé striker if you will but when it gets to the mat that's what I'm I'm pretty curious about because Oliver is like go ahead take me down okay I'm I'm ready for it. Jiu Jitsu game's real good. Makachev's top control is incredible. That fight is going to hit the mat at some point. There's no doubt about it. But what's gonna happen when it does that's what I'm there's just so many questions I need answered about this fight. And we're a little over a month away from getting those answers and I'm freaking pumped. I cannot wait for that fight. But I think the pressure is equally on both guys. If Oliveira loses, this is not an immediate rematch type of situation unless it's like a full-blown split decision kind of robbery. Not real robbery, but if it's one that Dana White goes up to the press conference after the card and says, I thought Oliveira clearly won that fight, maybe they go ahead and run that one back. But other than that, this is not an immediate rematch situation for either guy. It would be for Oliveira if he loses a... a decision that he probably shouldn't have lost. I can't wait to see it. The pressure is equally on both guys. Oliveira trying to get that title back. Islam had to work his ass off to get to this point. Ended up getting it without getting a top five win. A loss hurts both these guys big time, especially with where this division shapes up right now. So love the fight. Love the pressure on both dudes. This is why we're fans. A fight like that. Let's go to Abzwalia on this Thursday morning. Abzwalia, hello. Hey, what's
5: up, man? Can you hear me? How i good. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Right. So um, yes. I've got two questions I want to ask you. The first one, I'll keep it very brief and short. Um, As you know, Hamza just won on Saturday. Very spectacular win. And the way he did in dominant fashion was good. Uh, what do you think? How do you see the fight between him and Covington going if they fight or if he fights Costa. And my second question, I think this one is going to be a very important one because this is going to change um, the shape of the lightweight division. But as you know, uh, 280 and 281 have some important lightweight fights that are coming up. Um, Oliver, Islam, the title eliminated between Gamrot and um, uh, Benil. And then we have Dustin and Michael Chandler. How do you see these fights playing out? And can you please give me a breakdown of, you know, whichever fighter wins how do you see this happening? How does this change the whole division? Because, if in my eyes, if you see Oliveira and Dustin lose, that's the end of the death of the Kabib Oliveira uh, era. You know, because Islam, he's coming up. You know, then you have other people like Gamrot. he's a young prospect that's upcoming. Chandler might come in the mix. So I'm just curious on your thoughts on that. Thank you, man. Have a good day.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, Dariush versus Gamrot should be a tight eliminator, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on that idea. And it's for some of the reasons you just mentioned, because if Islam wins, I don't know. Like it, it, it's interesting. Like if Islam wins, and Darius just blows Gamrat out of the water. Doing any other thing makes no sense. Absolutely no sense. If Gamrot squeaks out a decision and you want to go a different route. Cool. Like you don't need to run like Gamrot beating Darius is massive. But if he goes out and beats Sarukyan and Dariush back-to-back, he has a compelling case to fight for the belt. But you also want to make sure that the timing is right for him, too. So if he's got to wait for another fight to happen, that's fine. Poirier Chandler's interesting, especially if Islam wins. Because if those two go out there and just have a crazy fight that we're talking about, if that's the headline coming out of UFC 281 over the title fights and anything else that happens on this card... Wouldn't stun me to see the UFC go with either of those two guys. And when it comes to Oliveira, it would not stun me in the least if they went with Connor. If Oliveira wins, it really wouldn't stun me. It makes literally no sense from anything outside of just business. But I mean, from a meritocratic standpoint, Connor fighting for the title right now or any title whatsoever makes absolutely no sense. But if Oliveira goes to Abu Dhabi, beats Islam, finishes him, and he wants that Connor fight and he calls for it, he's probably there's a chance he gets it. It all just depends on when Connor's ready to come back. So I wouldn't necessarily say that Dariush Gamrod is is definitely a title eliminator. It should be, but it might not be. And we don't know what's going on with Faziv yet. We don't know what's going on with Justin Gaethje yet. I like I've said. A, A few times already some of these social media accounts are reporting that that a fight for December 10th is close to being finalized. That's just not accurate. Uh, I've already debunked that a couple of different times, just talking to people close to the situation. It's just not happening. It might happen in the future. It's not happening December 10th. And if it does happen December 10th, I would be shocked at this point from, from all everything I hear and all indications, but lightweight is just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous, and there's just so many guys and so much talent. It's nuts. We'll go to four-quarter sports, and then we'll tag in ahead.
6: What's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on? So I know I missed, I missed the show on Tuesday. I was disappointed. I kept on rewatching that Elise Reeves, um Super Melly fight. Man, that third round really killed it because I was pulling in for Super Melly, and I just felt that those takedowns, She's really gonna be kicking herself looking back at the film because I felt like she had it. She had it um round three, the way that she started off. Um I don't know if it was there, any anything else possible for her to her work on outside of um working on takedowns. I mean, what's your perspective on that fight that happened on, on Saturday? And then I wanted to piggyback on what Viking MMA was talking about, about the what was it, um Islam um Olivero? Now I was getting a haircut and my barber, he's Russian. So he's familiar with, with Dagestan and he was telling me about the sambo wrestling and like the history behind it. And I was interested because, um, he was telling me his perspective was, um, Islam is not going to have much fear, you know, going in, shooting, shooting in for takedowns. But do you think that'll make him more susceptible to getting, you know, submitted, whether it's choked out, armbarred or anything of that nature? Um, and what would you what would be your game plan if you were in Charles Oliveira's corner i mean would you tell him that he needs to get to finish just because you know maybe you don't trust um the people from abu dhabi you know giving him you know a decision in his favor i mean how how would you uh, coach uh, charles oliveira leading into this um, this camp all right thanks mike have a good one
2: it's it's a tough question um because I'm not a coach, I don't train. I haven't trained, I've gone to an MMA gym and trained for a while. So I mean, I only can go by what I see. But if I'm, if I'm Oliveira's team, I'm just trying to make this fight as chaotic as possible because that's where Charles thrives. He needs to get cracked to get going, and he's done it in his last few fights. You just thrive in the chaos. Do not make this a, a technical mixed martial arts bout. Try to turn this into a brawl. With a bit of technique sprinkled on top. Force exchanges. Let Makachev get comfortable on his feet a little bit. Let him crack you. Let him get confidence up there. And then do your thing. That's it. I mean, just... You don't want to, like, not be yourself. But you want... he's He has shown that he can thrive in the chaos. And all this talk about him being a quitter and all this stuff... Like, I do not want to hear that word thrown out one time in the builds of this fight. I don't want to see one comment saying that this guy's a quitter, that he's a front runner, anything like that. I think he's answered all of those questions at this point. Enough enough with all that. He's gone in there with some of the biggest hitters in the sport, most notably his last three fights with Poirier and Chandler and then freaking Justin Gaethje. I mean, he out-chaosed and out- maneuvered a madman he out madman Justin Gaethje how many people can say that how many people can say that they out madman Justin Gaethje Charles Oliveira can say it and he did the damn thing so if I'm if I'm Oliveira's team I'm not like just swinging wild but I am welcoming chaos as much as possible and with the judges thing I've gone back because when Brady and Bilal was booked I said good on Brady for taking this fight in Abu Dhabi. It's essentially a road game. And and I didn't mean that And people, some people like took it out of context and it it turned into a a thing that I didn't really mean to say at all, but some people were, were arguing like, well, the UFC always brings their own judges. There's never, ever been a local judge for a UFC card in Abu Dhabi, which is just not true. It's just not true. Go back to UFC 242 there were local judges. That, that, that pay-per-view with Habib and Dustin Poirier, there were local judges. There were local judges judging fights on that card. So it's to say that it would never happen, that, it, that it's never happened, it's just not true. I don't think that's going to be a problem here. But it, it, it's not because it's Abu Dhabi. It's because of just judging in general. We've seen some awful scorecards this year whether it be in Abu Dhabi or Las Vegas or Texas or wherever these cards are happening, we have seen some horrendous scorecards from some of these judges, some real bad ones. And that could, whether it's in Abu Dhabi or Brooklyn, New York or San Diego, California, if we get a, if we get a scorecard that we're like at the end of this thing, if we're getting sort of that same vibe that we have with like D-Rod and Lee Jingliang, where it's like, ah, oh, man, this is like super close, but I felt Lee won, then maybe you run that one back. If it, if it gets like that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is going to be, I'm not going to say one-way traffic, but I think someone's going to be able to implement their game plan better than the other, and whoever that is and gets that uh, established quicker is going to win the fight. I don't think this is going to be a knockdown, drag-out affair with multiple swings. I think the first five minutes could be interesting with maybe Islam testing Oliver's takedown defense and, and things of that nature, but... To me, this fight's just it's just going to be fun and it's going to be one-sided. But we'll see. UFC 280, golly, that card can't come fast enough. Ahead! What's up, my man? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yes.
7: All right, heck of a morning. Okay, first thing, Mike, I've, I've had an epiphany. Are you ready to hear it?
2: Like. Oh, I'm ready. Okay,
7: here's the thing, Mike. You know, you know, you're the man, but like one thing I was disappointed in is even though you talk about prize fighting and you understand it, you couldn't be more wrong that Leon Edwards versus Usman 3 is the right fight to make. That goes against prize fighting for, for like the same reason. The thing is, is this um, if Leon fights Usman again. I don't care whether he just got his Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt yesterday or whatever right? Even British pundits, I'm talking Adam Cattrall, Nick Pete, the guys from BT Sport, even they want uh, Edwards to fight Masvidal. Why? Because they know that that was like a one-time thing. Like, British fighters, apart from Mikhaev and some other people, they don't respect wrestling. So they're just going to get out-wrestled. And that's what Usman's going to do. And the the reward of fighting like Masvidal, or even a Covington, Leon versus Colby in Wembley, is bigger and it will get leon more money than leon versus Usman. i truly believe that and, and hamza leon versus hamza but i'm going to give you another name mike leon versus conor mcgregor march 2023 wembley for the world title this is why think about this 155 he's already won the 145 155 heart belts Connor does not like to cut weight, even though he's made weight all the time. Unlike Khabib, who talked a lot of smack about Hamza, but someone else can touch upon that. Um, Connor has always made weight, but he doesn't like it, and he's big now. You know, so I feel like he doesn't want to put himself through that. So why not make him let him fight at 170? you know and they're the same management team so you know connor's going to be able to pull the strings right like it's paradigm management but really it's connor's management let's be real so connor will be able to pull the strings so you might as well make that title fight and um february 2023 you do colby and hamza as the main event now hamza has multiple options and Paulo costa colby and other people, but Colby needs this fight. I, I realize this. Colby needs to fight Hamza. He cannot choose another route if he wants to f- get the biggest fight, guarantee a title shot. So you do Colby Hamza February twenty twenty two, and uh, like Leon Connor March so March twenty twenty three, and um, uh, you do the winners fight each other, Madison Square Garden, November 2023, right? Um, And lastly, Mike, what the hell was MMA fighting thinking for Hamza? Pound for pound, 20 position when Colby wasn't there. What in the world were you lot smoking last weekend? It was crazy. But um, he hasn't beaten anybody yet. I still am not that convinced on Hamza. Kevin Holland, Lee Jingliat, not Lee, sorry, um, Gerald Misha. He would have got finished by Gilbert Barnes if it was round four or five. He would have got beaten badly. I don't care what anyone says. That's all I've got. Drop the mic, Mike.
2: You know, Ahead, I, uh, I look forward to these, to these calls, and, and oftentimes you make very interesting points. Oftentimes you give me something to think about. Oftentimes you can make compelling cases that you are right. And you are right about <clears throat> something, but you're wrong about a lot of things. To say that Edwards Usman is not going to be a big fight is just insane to me. Leon Edwards kicked him in the frigging face and put him unconscious. And not just like a flash unconscious. Usman was down for a while. Usman didn't even know that the sky was up and the ground was down. That's what happened. He kicked him in the face. There's no fluke. There's no nothing. He kicked him in the face. And this was one of the pound for pound guys. This was, and like in, in a lot of people said, this is the best fighter on planet Earth. And he kicked him in the face. There is no fluke. There's no nothing. This is a big fight. It's gigantic. It's a huge fight, especially in London. It doesn't matter who Leon fights. Leon Mazadol is fine, but not now. Leon has all these fights in his back pocket. But Leon is a competitor. Leon is a competitor. He understands that people doubt what happened there. And even and most people do. You doubt it. A lot of people are doubting what happened. A lot of people are still saying it's a fluke. It's not a fluke when you kick somebody in the face and knock them out. It's not a fluke. That is going to be a gigantic fight. And it's one of those fights that's going to age incredibly well the closer we get to it. Now, all Leon Edwards has to do to get these prize-fighting opportunities is do it again is do it again. He's got his home crowd behind him. He's probably going to have thirty to 50,000 people cheering him on. There'll be some Usman fans in there too. But if he goes out there and beats Kamaru again, he's golden. He can fight Conor. He can fight Mazadal, He can fight Shemayev. He doesn't have to fight Shemayev. He can fight these other guys. He can still be the prize fighter. But you have to beat him again. If there's doubts, this much doubt, and you just said it, if, this much, if there's this much doubt, you have to do it again. You have to do it again. And it's going to be gigantic. The fans are going to go bananas for it. The build to the fight is going to be spectacular. And you want to know why it's going to be so good? It's because they're going to build a massive card behind it too. The energy levels for that fight card are going to be off the charts. Are going to be off the charts. Now, I do agree with the Colby versus Shemiah fight. This is the one. Now, I understand if there's trepidation, if there's hesitation on booking Shabayev at 170. But we have seen him make it before. Like I said, I was in that room when he stepped on the scale in Jacksonville. He's a giant of a human being, but he made it. He was 170 on the nose. He didn't look like he was dying. He looked like tired, like a typical weigh-in, but he certainly didn't look sucked out. He just needs some discipline. That's why I love this Robert Whittaker idea. Go train with Rob. Go hang out with Robert Whittaker. Take some of that. Stuck between Whitaker's ears and try to morph it into your own brain. And if he does that and he gets some of that stuff, because from all indications, this is just a discipline thing. It's just a discipline thing. Getting on the right track. Don't stay at the fighter hotel. Just do the right things. Eat when you're supposed to eat, when your nutritionist tells you to eat, when he makes it for you. Like these are the types of things you have to do in these types of situations. And I think he's learned that lesson. I think he'll learn that lesson. If they want to put him up at 85 to fight Paul Acosta, who the hell is going to complain about that? But to me, storyline-wise, you got to do the Colby fight. And I've been saying, I I think Colby should take it. I think Colby should take it, and I think Colby would take it because, again, Colby's a prize fighter. There's certain points where you have to just take the damn fight that nobody wants. But Colby probably also understands that the biggest fight he can have right now is with Hamzat Shemaev. And if I'm Colby, the way he fights, the amount of volume and output, the amount of energy he puts into these fights, I actually think he matches up with Hamzat okay. Not early. That first round is going to suck for him. He's going to get chucked around. But Colby's also a very durable guy. If he could survive that onslaught, he's got a chance. He's got a chance. But it is so difficult to get out of that first round with him. And I don't care what you say ahead. I'm going to open up. I'm opening up my rankings right now. There are people who do not have Shamayev ranked in their pound for pound at all. I have Shamayev higher than anybody. I have Shamayev higher than anybody. Like way higher. I have Shamayev in my top ten. And you can shrug on me all you want, but this guy might be the best fighter in the world. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. But from what I've seen, he's got me convinced. Beating Gilbert Burns so early in his career is a huge win, and he learned a lot from that fight. But if he, beats, if he goes out there and fights Colby or Paulo Costa and wins and does it decisively, like he's been doing to most of these guys he fights, this is going to age well. Now, we have to also keep in mind that I think pound for pound is stupid. I hate it. I hate the pound for pound list because people are dumb when it comes to how to react to the pound for pound list because people have their own definitions for it. They look at it as like, well, if you shrunk Francis Ganu to a flyweight, how would you match him up against Demetrius Johnson? It's so stupid. That's, like, that's not how you do it. That's not how it works. That's why even before Usman fought Leon Edwards, I put Volkanovski as my number one guy. He's earned it. Adesanya has earned a top three spot. Engano earned a top three spot. Oliveira's earned a top five spot. And I've had no problem putting Leon Edwards above Kamara Usman on that list. What sense in the world does it make for me to rank Leon Edwards higher than Kamara Usman in the welterweight rankings, but all of a sudden I can't rank him higher in the pound-for-pound rankings? Some people are just insane. The, the, the reaction to these pound-for-pound rankings were, were unbelievable. And I have no issue throwing Hamzat on that list. Do I have to – because you can't look at it as like, well, this guy missed weight. It doesn't matter. It's a pound-for-pound pound list. It's a pound-for-pound pound list. I didn't make Shemayev my number one welterweight. But Shemayev could, could win titles in two divisions right now. How is he How is he not on this list? He could... I would pick him... If he fought Leon Edwards tomorrow, I would pick Shemayev to not just beat Leon Edwards. I think he'd run over Leon Edwards. If he fought Israel Adesanya, I'd pick him. I would pick him to win. I'm not as confident in that one as I would be against him, Leon, from a stylistic perspective. But I would pick him to beat Adesanya. I would pick him to beat Pereira. Usman would be the trickiest one, but I would probably still pick him to beat Camaro right now. I think this guy is that good, and he's only going to get better. So there you go. I agree with a lot of Hid. I don't agree with some of it. I'm fine with my list. I will stand by my list.
0: And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
5: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com/slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Let's
2: go to Average Avenues. Waiting for a minute. We got five people waiting. I'm gonna get to all five of you, and then I gotta get out of here. Hello, Average Avenues. Good.
1: I've got a question for for you. Um, uh,
7: the few fights that over the next coming weeks you can name as as many as you want. Um,
1: that people should be paying more attention to. Oh, and just by the way, Charles
2: Oliveira is the champion, officially or not. We all know he's the champion. I just want to. Agree. Oh, sorry, I thought you were done. Um, no, I agree with you. I agree with you, and I think the UFC's treating them the same way. Listen, you gotta do something. You probably should just find them. And they should probably should just give him the damn belt because you're the promotion and you could do whatever you want. <laughs> you could just give him the belt. You can give him the belt today if you want to. You can just go and give him the belt. Here you go, Charles. You're the champion. No one's gonna bat an eye about it. No one's gonna bat an eye about it. Let's see. Let's look at this card. Um, Fights to look forward to that aren't getting enough attention, I assume. I think we're going low key. Damon Jackson, Pat Sabatini is going to be awesome on Saturday. Love that fight. Uh, Aspen Lad, Sarah McMahon, high stakes. High stakes. Now, I'm always a little timid when it comes to Aspen Lad fight weeks. Uh, Tony Gravely, Javid Basharat should be fun. Let's we'll see how Maria Agapova back bounces back against Jillian Robertson. I actually think she's got a very good chance in that fight. And then let me see. Let me look at the October 1st card real quick. Um, don't really love the October 1st card, if I'm being honest. Like the main event. Brandon Allen, Christoph Jocko, the battle for the middleweight middle championship. Brown, Trinaldo, sure. Barcelos, Trevin Jones should be fun. Jarzino, Christakis, sure. A lot of New England representation on this car. We got Randy Costa back in against Guido Canetti. That should be fun. And uh, Sodique Youssef, not fighting this Saturday. He's fighting October 1st against Don Shainis, who has an incredible story. Uh, I've talked to Don quite a bit over the years. This guy... If he had gotten the call like three years ago, it wouldn't have stunned me. But I think overall for his growth and his potential in the sport, I actually think it's good that he got to grind away a little bit more. He got to learn a few more lessons along the way. Uh, And this is really good. This is really good. It's it's, It's a tough draw. Definitely a tough draw for your first UFC fight. But Don's good, and he's paid his dues, and he deserves this opportunity. So that's just a few that I'm looking at over the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's go to Henderson. We're going to go Henderson, Zeke, Mikey, Ani, and then we're out of here. Henderson. What's up?
8: Points, maybe stuff to just mention or think about. And, uh, the first one, one thing I love in MMA is that there's like, you can still come up with new, completely new things, which is much rarer in other sports. And, Aldana's like upkick, body shot, knockout. That is pretty new. I wouldn't say, obviously, people have tried it before, but I love things like the Von Flew, right? Like Von Flew, such a random character in MMA on a tough season, wasn't even on the original cast, gets this move named after him. So I think we should call it the Aldana upkick if people go for a liver shot from the ground. Um, So that's just a point. I just think that would be cool. And Aldana is more than Von like She's a real contender, but uh, that would be cool to have a move named after you. And then my second point, I was listening to some of your past episodes just about like you were talking about cheating and like there's really no reason people shouldn't cheat because you can't, nobody's ever punished. And even when you're punished, you can normally just take the one point and then just win the fight. So I was thinking maybe solutions. And one thing I thought of was what if refs could just take half a point. So like whenever you get caught grabbing the cage or, or an eye poke or something, just take half a point and it won't destroy the whole fight, especially in a three round fight. But if you get another foul, then at least it's a full point and maybe the refs will be more willing to take a point. If they could just take half a point, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, thanks. Great show. And I just wanted to hear what you thought.
2: Thanks, man. Love the idea for Renee Aldana. I think she'd like that. Uh, the cheating thing, yes. You're you're spot on. And I remember when we first when we were first talking about the cheating thing. We were talking about before the Tim Elliott fight. And then we really got into it after the Tim Elliott fight because Tim Elliott literally went on a live microphone and said that he cheated. It was like and, and the reasoning behind it, I completely got. Like I completely understood. Hey, I haven't fought in a long time. We have this stupid payout structure where it's win show instead of guaranteed money. I'm trying to feed my family. I'm going to grab a freaking glove. If no one's going to call, then I'm going to do it. And I don't blame him for that. I don't blame anybody for cheating right now and grabbing fences and poking eyes and kicking balls. Because why not? They're not going to stop you. They're not going to stop you. In our private Slack channel, when Hamza Shemaev and Kevin Holland was about to go down. I literally put in in one of our Slack channels, Kevin, cheat your ass off. Cheat your ass off. You got to cheat. You have to. Because what's the worst thing could happen to Kevin? Grabs the fence a couple of times. Pokes him in the eye a couple of times. What are they going to do? Take a point away? After like five warnings? If he had cheated, he might have had a chance. He might have had a chance to win the fight. It's just nuts that we even have to be talking about this. And like to hear referees say in this sport opposed to any other sport on planet earth, well, if I take a point away, it can affect a fight. If you call pass interference in the Super Bowl on the final drive, when a team's up by three points and you're trying to score and beat them and you call pass interference of in the goal, like doesn't that affect the game too? You can't have it both ways. You can't be all on one side and just, you can't. You can't. You have to do something. Any other sport, they don't say, maybe they'll look at it and see if it's like actually the call or not. But for the most part, if it's pass interference, whether it's intentional or not, it's a spot foul or a 15-yard penalty or half the distance to the goal. But at MMA, if you grab the fence, we don't want to call anything because that'll cost somebody the fight. Well, maybe they won't friggin' do it anymore if you cost them the fight. Maybe they won't poke an eye anymore if it costs them the fight. Maybe they won't grab a glove or kick somebody in the balls or do anything like that. Like, maybe they won't do that anymore. Maybe we'll have less of this. I just don't understand this whole thing about, well, I can't call a fence grab because it'll affect the fight. Okay, if you don't want to take a point away, there should still be repercussions for that. Now, I understand a fence grab is like a natural reaction. A poke in the eye is not really a natural reaction. Kicking somebody right in the nuts is not a natural reaction. But if you want, let's just say, I'll play your game. Grabbing the fence is a natural reaction. And I agree with you. So I'm not saying you should take a point away for a fence grab every single time. But what should happen is if, let's just say, I'm fighting AK because he's a cheater. If I pick AK up and I'm getting ready to put him onto the mat for a takedown, and AK, the cheater that he is, grabs the fence and I don't get the takedown, I don't just slap his hand. I don't just slap my hand away or his hand away and say, nah, keep fighting. No, it should be an automatic takedown. Not only should it be an automatic takedown, but to me the first penalty should be automatic takedown. You stop the action. You put AK, that cheater on his back. I get on on top. Referee says, go. I start the action again. Now, if this happens in the second round, I'm going to shoot a double on that cheater AK. If he grabs the fence again, we, not only is it an automatic takedown, you move him to the center of the octagon. You keep him far away from that fence as possible. And then if it happens a third time, you take a point. That way, we're not costing the cheater AK the fight. I mean, we potentially could because it at least has some repercussions. But if it happens a third time, you have to take a point. To do nothing makes no sense. So if your issue is, I don't want to take a point away because that one point could change everything, fine. But there should still be repercussions. There should still be an automatic takedown. There should still be a positional advantage. There should still be all of those things. But yet, nothing's being called. And these fighters are just grabbing the fence. And you know what? Good. They should. They should. Because no one's going to call it. And teams in the gym should be practicing this, if we're being honest, because no one's gonna call it. Nobody is going to call it. No one is going to stop you from doing it. We've seen such egregious refereeing over the last couple of years. It'd be just super egregious. Letting so many things go without doing anything, without taking away a point. It's insane, it's just insane any other sport a foul is a foul a hold is a hold a clip is a clip pass interference pass interference intentional foul personal foul there's repercussions for everything if a pitcher throws four balls outside of the strike zone well he didn't mean to throw balls outside of the strike zone let's give him another one no it's a friggin' walk if you charge them on you throw them out of the game Oh, well, that was a fun fight. We'll let him stay. No. There's rules. There's rules. But in every other sport, they're enforced. MMA, they're not. And that's fine. But when people say... When people like me and Jed Bashu are saying, just cheat your ass off, even coaches are saying the same thing. Even coaches are saying it. This is the world we live in. So... Yeah, Henderson, you got me got me riled up. But yeah, cheat. Cheat until something's done about it. Good, good See, morning, Mike.
9: How are you? Good. Right. I've been here from the top, so I got a lot to get off my chest. You just shut me up when you need to shut me up. Okay, I'm glad Ahid is still in here. Ahid, I got two things. I got to pick with you. My bones, my blood has been boiling since you came up here. How? Why? Where? What world? Does Conor McGregor step back into a title fight? I understand Leon Edwards would love it. I understand Leon Edwards' pockets would love it. But in no world that I live in, I mean, maybe I'm just, you know, hypocritical here. He is a big draw. He'll always do the numbers. Conor McGregor's on a two-fight losing streak. Conor McGregor lost to Dustin Poirier, who honestly might go out there and get starched by Michael Chandler. Who knows? That might be a little step ahead. I think Dustin, you know, he's got a little bit of a dog in him, but let's move forward down the list a little bit. Hamza Jemaev, I understand he might not be on your list. He's on mine. If he's not on your list, he's going to be. The guy's a freak. Kevin Holland could have brought a firearm into that octagon, and I don't think he had a chance. Hamza Jemaev is just going to ragdoll people. The guy who's sweating so hard right now, and I love him, it's Israel Adesanya. Alex Pereira is test number 1, but Hamza Chamayev is the SAT, Hamza Jamayev is the LSAT. Hamza Chamayev is everything. If 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 he gets past Alex Pereira, it's you know, what else can he do to hold off the welterweight division, the middleweight division until Israel Strap becomes available or they do do Leon versus Usman and you know, we have a clear-cut winner there. Do I think Kobe should be that fight in between that time? Yes, but I just, I don't see it happening, Mike. Maybe you could steer me into a different direction and say, okay, you know what, it is going to be Kobe because it should be that number one contender fight, but I don't think that's the case. In my opinion, Hamza Jamaev is not only a number one contender, he's a future champion in two, possibly three divisions. This guy could win the light heavyweight belt. Stop me if I'm crazy, but... This guy's huge. He's massive. He ragged all those people. He does this for a living. So, my two things are: I think Conor McGregor's obviously a huge draw. I think Conor McGregor's going to come back and he's going to get a great fight. Hopefully, maybe it's even Charles Oliveira. I know a caller just came in here and he said Charles Oliveira is the champion, and I agree with you. There's obviously a champion right now, and his name is Charles Oliveira. And it would be so much cooler if Charles could bring that belt into that fight and that press conference in Abu Dhabi. But that's just not the world that we live in. And I hope Charles does every single thing in the world to you know challenge Nico uh not Nico challenge it.
2: Zeke I got I got to let you go cuz I want to get these other two guys in but I get what you're saying um yeah man I mean I I I was not following you on the Connor thing because there was certainly a world where Connor can come back to a title fight may not be at 170 could certainly be a 55, and maybe it will be a 170. Maybe Connors will come back to, like, the summer. And who knows where things shape up at that point. So it's, it's very possible. And, yeah, Hamzat's a problem. He's got to get between his ears put together because he's got everything else. That's why I'm saying, like, go hang out with Bobby Knuckles, and it's not maybe not the worst thing in the world for him. Actually, I think it would be a great thing for him. All right. Rapid fire, Mikey and Ani. Mikey, go first because I got to get out of here. What's up? It's
1: quick. Um, first of all, please, please, can people stop complaining about Colin McGregor but then mention him at every turn for every fight that needs to happen? So, yes, it is not rocket science to mention him against Leon Evers because he's always going to be in that factor. But if you don't want to talk about him, don't mention him. Uh. I think just just as an alternative, I think what I think what an ideal scenario could work for and alternatively for Usman versus Edwards, I agree with you that Usman Edwards should be the fight, but I think let Kamaru sit the rest of the year out, have him come back next July at International Fight Week and face Leon. In the meantime, hopefully if you know things work out, get Leon that title defense in England, probably against either Masvidal or another contender. So that way he can get a title defense under his belt. And then the rematch with Usman is even bigger. You know, just sit, just shove Usman, let him rest because he got freaking cracked and let him rest and then run it back international fight week. That'll be a really huge pay-per-view. Um, as for Hamzat, um, the thing, fact of the matter is there's it's just going to get to a point where you can where people are just trying to underestimate him by picking out his opponents like, oh, who is he beating? I'm like, at the end of the day, watch the tape. Look at how this guy fights. He's a great fighter, whether you like him or not. He's a great fighter. Um, I don't want to see the colby Cummington fight right now. From this perspective, I still do, but I think Hamza to become the villain now, and I think you need to book him as a heel against like a decent baby face. You know what I mean? So like, get in, get him another name. Like I don't know, maybe fight, have him fight Steve Wonderboy Thompson or something crazy like that. Anyways, thanks, Mikey. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All
2: right. How d- how dare you? I'm not even gonna respond to that, Stephen Thompson. We're all we're all complaining about throwing Shafkat in there with him, and you want to throw Hamzad in there with Wonderboy? How dare you? Colby Colby would actually become a babyface. All right, Adi, you got 30 seconds. I have to go.
4: Uh, yes, Mike. Um, thank you for this. I don't understand when people say that uh, Leon versus Usman is not going to be a big fight or is not going to get a lot of money. I think they assume that that is the only fight on the card. They don't realize that there are others on the card as well. And um, another thing... Um, this is the only question I wanted to ask you, Mike, do you remember when I sent you a tweet about Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen, were you sitting on the news without telling me? And another thing, please lobby for Robbie, Robbie Lawler versus Tony Ferguson is the fight. (laughs) We have to see lobby for Robbie.
2: Um, Yes. AK will love that. Um, I mean, Robbie's got to fight Santiago Ponzinibbio, but yeah, we could do that after that's for damn sure. Uh, I was not sitting on Cater Allen. I've been, for those who have like followed all the MMA fighting programming, uh, on to the next one specifically. I've been telling you guys for like a year and a half that that's the fight the UFC wanted to do. They just couldn't get it done. Timing did not work. After the Calvin Cater Max Holloway fight, obviously Cater wanted to take a bunch of time off, which he absolutely needed to do. And Cater was ready to come back at, in the fall. September, October, November. He was cleared and ready to go. And that's the fight that the UFC wanted. Was with Arnold. And they tried booking it up for multiple dates. Main event fight. And Arnold just couldn't get cleared. That's why he took the Giga fight. Then after this Emmett fight. That's the fight everybody wanted. That's the fight everybody wanted. It was just a matter of getting the date. So, like I said at the beginning of the show... It was Saturday, the day of UFC 279, when this fight became somewhat of a thing, at least an option. And then as the week progressed, Tuesday, snowball. Wednesday, the snowball rolled down the hill, got bigger and bigger. And then Wednesday night is when both sides are officially in, still waiting on contract. So there you go. All right, I got to go. I got to parent teacher meeting i have to jump on a zoom right now but thank you all we'll be back tomorrow normal time and we'll uh, i'll make it up to you i'll give you some extra time we'll do the damn thing for a while so btl 1 p.m eastern it's jed versus shaheen al shadi should be a lot of fun recapping 279 and talking about everything else going on so until then enjoy the rest of your day we'll see you at 1 p.m eastern and as always have a heck of a morning media podcast network
0: the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from paris france reigning bantamweight champ patchy mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist magomed magomedov